You have to look for and figure out the signs and clues for you. Not enough companies have done enough to honestly personalize the user experience for both genders. When we recognize a woman is cycling, we actually change the way the readiness messages are written. Using this data in an algorithm, a researcher was able to show that with over 90% of women, they could see luteinizing hormones one or two days in advance of the saliva test. Every Aura Ring user who tags is helping us learn so we can help other Aura Ring users in the future. Welcome to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, where we meet the world's top experts to explore the secrets of health, mindset, longevity, and so much more. Are you ready to take charge of your existence and biohack your life? This show is for you. Please keep in mind, we're not dispensing medical advice and are not responsible for any outcomes you may experience from implementing the tactics lying herein. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Friends, I am so excited about this episode. It is about truly one of my favorite biohacking gadgets, devices ever. I am obsessed with my aura ring. As I talk about in this episode, I lost it recently and it was a non-negotiable. I knew automatically I was going to order a new one. Not even a question. I feel almost naked without it. What I love about aura ring is it makes you feel so empowered. I personally, being steeped in the biohacking world, I admittedly get a little bit overwhelmed with all of the devices. Sometimes I feel like I hit biohacking overwhelm and I don't want to monitor anything or track anything else. And I was worried that Aura Ring was going to be that situation where it would make me feel like I was just tracking things all the time and make me neurotic, but it is not that at all. It makes you feel empowered. It really just gives you insight into your personal health and uses language to help you tackle the day in the way that will best suit your well-being. I love it. I would say I would never be without it, but I am without it right now since I am waiting for my new one. (laughs) But in any case, I really think you'll enjoy today's episode. I got so many questions from you guys for Harpreet, and we only got to some of them, but there's still really a lot of amazing things that we discuss in this episode. The show notes for today's episode will be at melanieavalon.com slash aura ring two. That's the number two. Those show notes will have a complete transcript, so definitely check that out. Also join me in my Facebook community, IF Biohackers, for an episode giveaway. Just comment something you learned or something that resonated with you from this episode on the pinned post at the top of the group to enter to win something I love. Also definitely follow me on Instagram. I'm really growing that platform. I give away a lot of stuff on Instagram. I post pictures of all of the biohacking things. I'm starting to make video reels. It's just a really fun place to be. All right, without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation with Harpreet Rai, the CEO of Aura Ring. Hi friends, welcome back to the show. I am so incredibly excited about the conversation that I am about to have. It is with a repeat guest. That's how you know you've got a good one. And it is about a product that I personally use, adore, love, has changed my life. I literally mean that, especially after I released the first episode with this guest about the biohacking device. You guys... 
in the audience love it as well. I decided it was so important that we bring him back for part two for all of your questions because I get so many questions about this, which is the aura ring, which I am obsessed with. I'm so happy that I'm back here today with Harpreet Rai, the CEO of Aura, and he's going to answer as many listener questions that we can get to because I got a lot from you guys. So Harpreet, thank you so much for being here. Melanie, thanks for having me back. And then also thanks for all the engagement and good questions from the audience. So hopefully I can answer some of them. Might not be able to answer all of them, but but we'll try. We'll see what we can do. And in the interest of time for listeners, I will put in the show notes the link to the first interview that we did. Because in that episode, we went deep into the science of aura and heart rate variability. And there's just so much information there. So if you're not familiar with aura at all or want to learn more about heart rate variability or just more foundational things about the ring, definitely listen to that episode probably first (laughs) so you can have a foundation. And then this episode we could just go all over the place with questions. So to start things off, so I'm not going to ask you about your personal story, even though it was really wonderful for listeners. It'll be in the first episode that I'll link to. In case you're wondering, Aura Ring, what it is. Harpreet, what is the Aura Ring? I'll start with that. You know, the Aura Ring is a wearable ring. We actually let users track their sleep and other things like activity but we holistically package up to the user in something we called readiness. And that's the main score that you'll get in the app every day. And what readiness allows you to do is actually look at not just your sleep and activity patterns over the prior night and prior few weeks, but frankly, also physiological signals from your body that we get clues from every night. So, you know, sort of what time did your resting heart rate occur? What was your heart rate variability? How is that changing? What was your respiratory rate or changes in temperature? These signals, these physio- physiological signals, give us little sort of blueprints about your health. And we, we try to present that all in an easy-to-use manner to the user so they can start to understand you know, what health decisions they made and, and how is that impacting their, their health and their performance. Okay, that was such a wonderful answer. And listeners, there's so many things, like Harpreet says, that it tracks. And you learn so much about you, about how you're sleeping, about if you actually are ready like to what extent you should tackle the day as far as activity goes and things like that. I was nervous to get one because I thought that it would be a little bit overwhelming and that, you know, if I didn't sleep well, then I would probably feel bad about myself based on the data that I received. But what I love about Aura Ring and, and why I just want everybody to get it is it is so approachable. It really makes you feel empowered. Like never do you feel like you're falling off the wagon or that things are going bad, even if you didn't sleep well, even if you are don't have an optimal readiness score, it really speaks to you gently and nudges you back to a better place. And I actually got feedback about that. Catherine, for example, she says, I love mine. It's really so awesome. She says, I love the meditation options and the app is so much more than I thought it would be. I agree with you, Melanie Avalon, when you said it's not discouraging. The sad story is I was wearing it all the time and I never travel. And I traveled this past weekend and I never take it off. And I don't know if I took it off. I don't know if it fell off. I lost it. So I'm like, right here I am without it for the first time in quite a while, which has made me realize even more how much I love it. So that actually, that's a question from me and a question from a listener. So if for whatever reason you need to get a new aura ring, 
does your data just transfer over? So for example, Rose says she saw that there's a new ring. How does that impact the ring she just bought a month ago? And for me, when I get a new one. So no, it's the same ring that was shipping a month ago that we've been shipping for over the last year and a half. So if they might have just seen a news article saying the new Aura ring, but but it's the same ring. We haven't we haven't launched a new product. So it's the it's the same as it was in, in terms of your data. Actually, everything does transfer over. So when you actually set up the ring for the first time, you create it in an account. And if you lost a ring and you, you know, buy a new ring, when you set up the ring again, it'll ask you, hey, do you already have a login? And so all you have to do is enter your login. And we have, you know, even if you, which is just your email that you use to register. So all your data will transfer over. It'll be like you didn't even lose, you know, lose the ring. It'll be, you know, the new, the same ring or a new ring that you just bought, but, you know, our same Gen 2 Aura ring. And all the data will just transfer over. Okay, so Gen 2. So do you know in the future when Gen 3 will be coming out? Don't know when a Gen 3 will be coming out. I think, you know, nothing imminent that that we, you know, we we know about or or you know can talk about. I, I think, you know, we we're constantly always investing in new hardware and new new sensing technology and new form factors. So, you know, it's something that we're gonna continue to do. But no, I, I don't think there's any media plans coming for in, in new or ring anytime soon. Okay. This is a question for me. Do you guys not make the diamond one anymore? Ooh, I honestly don't know. That's going to sound embarrassing. I feel like it's still there, but it, it may have been either, you know, because we do have to, we work with, you know, a jeweler to actually inlay the diamonds on top. And so I just don't know, like, I, I know we don't sell, you know, that many. It's, it's obviously not our best selling model, given the price of the diamonds. But I believe we still sell it online. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I was looking for it and couldn't find it. I'm going to try to track it down. Some other questions while we're talking about the actual ring itself. And this is something I was wondering. Stephanie says, if you change fingers, will the data change? That's a good question. So the way the ordering works is we, we always come back to your personal baseline. You know, the short answer is no, the data won't change. But even if it were to, for some reason... Let's say your temperature is, you know, 0.1 degrees different baseline on one finger versus the other. For example, if you use your thumb or your your pinky because they're at the edge of your hand, right, not the core of your hand, not the middle three fingers, you, you may actually see a slight temperature change from one finger to the next. But the way the Aura Rings algorithms work is we actually relearn your baseline, and that's how we personalize all of your data and all of your scores. So the, the short answer is no. It won't change. Even if it were to change slightly, you know, you'd be you'd be back to your base, a new baseline in you know, two weeks. Uh, you don't have anything to worry about. Sorry if that answer was too technical, but I, I'd rather explain it, given your audience that I don't want to understand, you know, how does some of this stuff work? One thing you may see change is actually your battery life. So in, in general, you shouldn't. But some people have certain fingers that might have a little bit worse of a pulse signal or weaker or stronger. And so, you know, but the most you'd see the battery life affected is is like 10% difference or something like that. But we do, if we see someone has a weaker pulse, you know, we will increase sort of the the power that we use to make sure that we we still see good, robust data. So I actually have a question about that baseline. Does Aura reevaluate your baseline to make sure your baseline is still your baseline? Or does it determine it in the beginning and then pretty much sticks to it unless you are doing things that you just mentioned? No, great, great question. We actually use a rolling baseline. So your baseline is always reevaluating for different metrics on a rolling basis. So for example, if you lower your heart rate 
because you're starting to really exercise again, do a lot of cardio, you'll likely, and if you lose a lot of weight, you'll see your resting heart rate decrease. You know, one of the, for example, things we look at as recovery index and your resting heart rate in absolute value in the readiness score. And that will readjust to getting to know your new baseline as you keep improving it. So I think the the saying may be like the only person you're competing against is your own self. And and the cool thing is, you know, we're always changing and hence the baseline is always sort of re-averaging constantly. I love that so much. I was really thinking about it in particular because I've noticed when I change my macros. So if I'm doing high carb, low fat or low carb, high fat, it seems to have a very pronounced effect on my body temperature. So I was just thinking about if I were committing to one of those diets for any amount of time, I feel like my baseline temperature might change. Yeah. Honestly, we've even seen cases where people are frankly learning how, you know, because thyroid medication, right? There, if you, anyone who has had severe thyroid issues knows that like there's a while where you're, you know, you and your doctor will have to like get your thyroid medication, you know, redo a blood test, make sure that, you you know, your TSH, FSH, you know, levels are all good. And, and there's a lot of tweaking that needs to be done and like calibrating, you know, the right, the right dosage amount. We've seen other people, you know, also realize that and see some of those changes, for example, in their temperature when they're changing their thyroid medication dosage. And so now, you know, the good thing is we've taken those things into account and, you know, we're always constantly re-evaluating and re-updating your, your baseline. I love hearing that. I was also wondering, because it says when you wear it to have the sensors, I believe, like on the bottom part of your finger, if it's moving around on your finger, is that making a huge difference? Not really. Again, the only thing is sort of battery life. So the sensors do work optimally if they're on the palm side of your finger. You know, if there's too much rotating or spinning, there may be too much noise in the data for us to feel like it's robust enough to be accurate. So you may see at some certain points, like, you know, what we call sort of holes in your data, if you looked at your HRV curve or your HR curve. But frankly, that, you know, some people just may start to realize like they just orient the ring and, you know, and, and sort of the top is a top and the sensors are at the bottom when they sleep, that's, that should be fine. Most of the time, there's no impact to the data quality. What ends up happening is it, it just takes a little bit more battery power to sense it if the ring is turned like, you know, all the way 90 degrees to the side. But most of the time, it's, it's fine. Have you guys seen data on accuracy versus precision with the ring? Ooh, on which metric? On, I guess any of them in general. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would say heart rate, heart rate variability, you know, and even things like respiratory rate, something that's like, you know, a physiological signal, right? That That is both accurate and precise. Now, what, you know, sleep data, for example, sleep staging, you know, sleep staging is based on brain waves, right? You know, in your REM sleep, your brain frequency waves are higher than, for example, if you're in your deep sleep. And so what, you know, what we do and other wearables do is we train lots and lots of all the, you know, raw data and sensors and, you know, physiological signals coming off against, you know, polysomnography or brainwave data from a sleep study. And, you know, if you do that enough, you can start to see really cool patterns and you use all types of machine learning models and, you know, you can create an awesome algorithm during that because you're interpreting now many different physiological signals and you're correlating them to a brainwave signal. When you when you do that, there's lots of different ways of the algorithm you can make. We specifically have chosen our algorithm, you know, while to be as accurate as we can, you know, even favor more precision. The reason is, you know, that's sort of the use case on how you use the product. Like whether you, let's say, for example, 
have 45 minutes of deep sleep or, you know, if it's 40 minutes or even 35 minutes, that may be your deep sleep. That matters on an absolute level basis. But what actually really matters in how you use the product is seeing the changes. Oh, if you drink a lot of alcohol one night, your deep sleep may go down a lot. And you want to be able to see that relative change very precisely. So we have focused our algorithm on that because that ends up teaching people actually, hey, here are lifestyle decisions that are actually improving you know, my data or hurting my data. And so I think it's that mentality that we found and how users actually use the product that really matters. You know, so, so we favored our algorithms for sleep staging more towards precision. Awesome. And for listeners, just briefly, accuracy is basically the how accurate the actual measure is of whatever it's measuring. And then precision shows how accurate are the different measurements in relation to each other. So just some clarification. So you actually addressed two questions that we had with that answer that you just gave. Lindsay said, how can the aura ring identify the different stages of sleep? So it sounds like you're using an algorithm. Is it looking at heart rate variability as to how it related to brain waves or? We look at every single sensor and every single thing we measure and, you know, anytime we're forming an algorithm. So, you know, some of the direct measures we have are movement, right? You know, it's on your finger so you can, and we have an accelerometer and a gyroscope. So you can see movement and, you know, in many different axes, but the main axes for accelerometers are, you know, X, Y, and Z. So we use that data. We use heart rate. We use heart rate variability data. We use respiratory rate data. We use temperature data. And we use all those different data streams. And we actually compare that against, you know, brain waves, right, from a polysomnography device. And so we take sort of all the raw aura ring data that you can get off at the highest frequency that you can get it and store it in. And then we compare that, you know, against against all the polysomnography data that comes off those machines. And some of those are, you know, 16 lead polysomnography machines. Some are even, you know, north of 32. So I think uh, that that's a little bit on how algorithm process is made. For example, you know, that's just for sleep staging. But you'd you'd go through the same process, frankly, if you're trying to do activity detection. You know, you'd get someone wearing an EKG. You'd have them go. I don't know go do a certain type of, you know, rowing, right? Versus the Stairmaster or snowboarding or skiing. And same thing, you'd compare that sort of reference data against, you know, all the raw data coming off an aura ring and, and you'd create your algorithem that way. And, and, that, and that's how all these wearables basically do algorithm creation. Hi, friends. Do you want to come hang out with me and Dave Asprey and so many other guests I've had on the show? You simply must come to the 10th annual biohacking conference. May 30th through June 1st in Dallas, Texas. And of course, I have a massive discount code for you guys. I went last year to the one in Orlando, and it was one of the most fun times of my entire life. I met and got to hang out with so many guests that I've had on the show. I met so many of you guys. And of course, there's lots of Danger Coffee and Dave Asprey approved meals and Dry Farm Wines. And that's just the social aspect. The conference itself is mind-blowing. They have this incredible expo where they have all the biohacking supplements, all the biohacking things. You can learn about them, try samples, meet the creators and founders. If you haven't tried a lot of biohacking things, it's a great chance to actually try them out in person. Things like brain tap, infrared sauna, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, and so much more. There are so many incredible speakers as well. 
You can hear talks from people I've had on the show like Paul Saladino, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Annika Becca, and that is just a few of them. I seriously had the time of my life last year, and I would love to hang out with you guys. And you can get 35% off tickets. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference and use the coupon code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. That's melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference with the code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. This code can be used for general admission or for VIP access. Seating is limited. They do sell out. They sold out last year. So get your ticket now. And if you come... Definitely let me know because I want to meet you. So hopefully see you guys in Dallas. MelanieAvalon.com slash biohacking conference with coupon code BCMelanie. Get your tickets now. I'll see you guys there. Friends, you guys know I love wine. Do you love wine? I've done a lot of research on wine and I truly believe there are a myriad of health benefits The longest-lived populations drink wine. The polyphenols have a ton of potential health benefits, activating anti-aging sirtuins, potentially supporting our immunity, maybe even encouraging weight loss. Yep, it's actually not alcohol that makes people gain weight. It's what they eat when they drink. But if you want all of the benefits of wine, the type of wine you're drinking is key. Conventional wine in the U.S. is often full of toxins. We're talking things like pesticides, mold, and additives, dyes, colorizers, artificial flavors. Have you even seen some wine that says vegan? That's because conventional wine isn't even necessarily vegan because of the additives. I am obsessed with a company called Dry Farm Wines. They're not a wine producer, but rather a wine investigator. They go all throughout Europe and they find the wineries practicing organic practices, and then they test those wines to make sure the wines are, wait for it, low alcohol, low sugar, free of toxins, free of mold, and truly supportive of your health. I'm obsessed with Dry Farm Wines. One of the most fun things for me as a wine lover is you get mixed boxes of wine and it introduces you to varietals from all over the world. The wines taste amazing and you can say goodbye to hangovers. If you think you can't drink wine, you've got to try Dry Farm Wines. I am obsessed. You can get a bottle for a penny. Yes, a penny. Just go to dryfarmwines.com slash melanieavalon and use the coupon code melanieavalon to claim your penny bottle. That's dryfarmwines.com slash melanieavalon. All right, now back to the show. Awesome. So you actually just answered, because Stephanie's question was, what formula do you use to estimate your BMR for the activity calories? So it just sounds like it's very complicated. We actually look at METs. So, you know, we, we measure METs and then we, we also look at things like, oh yeah, all the raw acceleration data that's coming off of the accelerometer to figure that out. So I think, yeah, it, it ultimately you can sort of tune you know, frankly, the, this data, you can create algorithms almost against any reference data point. For example, COVID, you know, we, and I'll talk about another one, women's health. So, you know, during COVID, you know, we're, we're still ongoing in a study with UCSF and UCSD and over 70,000 Oura Ring users who enrolled in this study. And as part of that study, you know, we have, a there's a reference data set. So if you're in that study and you opt in, and it looks like you may have gotten sick, UCSF will email you and say, hey, you know, can we send you a COVID test? They send you that COVID test to get, you know, definitive gold standard reference data. Then you can compare that against, you know, they, we have symptom surveys that people were taking every day in the app, and we have all the ORIN data. And so, you know, the researchers will look at that and say, here's the gold standard. Here's all the different data streams we saw off an ORIN. Boom, here, we can, you know, use all that data and create an algorithm and it actually looks pretty good. We did the same. I think there was a good research study 
showing this for women's health. Actually, I think it's in an open medical journal and scientific reports, a researcher named Azure Grant at Berkeley, who's fantastic. She actually took, I want to say, maybe getting some of the specifics wrong, but it's like over 35 women and, you know, looked at them for three different cycles each. They looked at luteinizing hormone. I believe it was saliva or urine or blood or or, I don't know. I forget which one. It might have been two of the three. They also looked at basal body temperature every single morning using an oral thermometer and also looked at, you know, temperature eye button sensors, which lots of research studies use. And they were able to use that and compare it against, again, all the raw data coming off an aura ring, you know, the minute by minute temperature data we have, along with actually the heart rate, heart rate variability, respiratory rate, you know, sleep, etc. And what she showed in that paper, actually, you know, not many people have, have seen this yet, just because it, the paper came out sort of the same time during a lot of our work, wearables work with COVID. And I felt like unfortunately got overshadowed. But what that paper showed was actually using this data in an algorithm a researcher was able to show that with over 90% of women, you know, they could see luteinizing hormone, you know, one or two days in advance of, you know, the saliva test, which is huge, has huge implications for managing women's health, whether you're trying to get pregnant or not, or even relative things in the the strength of how much, you know, luteinizing hormone any any person may have. It was fascinating. And so you can you can sort of train these algorithms against any reference data. You know, whether that's a COVID test, a LH, you know, luteinizing hormone test, a polysomnography test, you know, brain waves. Hopefully that helps explain a little bit the process on how algorithms can get created. Yeah, no, this is so incredible. And I had a lot of questions about that. Denise, she actually did participate in the COVID study that you just talked about. She wanted to know if they had any interesting data yet that they were able to report on what they found. Yeah, I think we shared this on our blog and also UCSF put it out on their website and it was published in a, in a medical journal and scientific reports, you know, which is Nature, the, the medical journal Nature, their, their open access version online. And so for the COVID study, what they showed was that actually for a majority of people, the data from Aura Ring could see, you know, there were significant changes in the data three days in advance before users reporting any symptoms. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was for like, I think like over 75% of the participants so far. And and they, I think, took the first 50 cases and analyzed them quickly because they wanted to get that paper out. And I know they're analyzing now the several hundred cases of, of positive COVID data that's in that data set. And so they'll have a follow-up with even more data. But the early results were so impressive. I know they wanted to get it out. So something like, yeah, 38 of the first 50 subjects saw you know, a significant change in the data three days in advance before reporting symptoms. I think another 14% of subjects saw significant changes one to two days before reporting symptoms and, 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 you know, reporting any symptoms, they saw changes again in the data before the symptom onset. And then it was 10% of people that they saw symptom onset at the same time that data, you know, their data was significantly changing. So I think, frankly, that was remarkable. I'd, I'd argue that you know, because of the rich HR, HRV data, but frankly, also the minute by minute temperature data we have that other wearables don't have on the wrist and, and, and also respiratory rate was helpful. But I think it's, it's all four of those that were extremely helpful in identifying, you know, these changes well in advance. And we've had two other, you know, research studies come out and actually share similar type findings. There's another study during COVID that was you know, funded by Defense Innovation Unit, and they worked with Texas A&M and Phillips 
And this is out there on a website as well that DIU Defense Innovation put out. And they 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 were using ore rings and they were able to spot an outbreak among soldiers, you know, more than two days in advance um, of people reporting any symptoms. And then even the Rockefeller Neuroscience Institute at West Virginia, it was actually pretty, you know, they were sort of the first ones in their study to come out and put an early press release out just saying, hey, we're, we're seeing changes up to three days in advance, too of people reporting symptoms. So it's been really cool to see three different independent research groups sort of arrive at at pretty similar conclusions. That is so cool. For listeners, I'll put links in the show notes to all the studies that are available in the blog post from your website. So the show notes for this show, again, are at melanieavalon.com slash or ring two. And that's the number two. I have not become sick while using the ring at present. Does it tell you if it thinks you're getting sick? Yeah. So we we have something called rest mode that's new and that we launched during during COVID. Rather than call it sick mode, you know, where we felt it's more appropriate. Oh, what should you do if it looks like your data is it looks like you're getting sick? Well, we'll rest, right? And so I think you you know now you'll see a trigger sort of in the app or not. I shouldn't say a trigger, but like an option to enable rest mode. The insight messages you get are are sort of the same that, hey, it looks like, you know, your body temperature is elevated or your heart rate's up quite a bit. It looks like you may be getting sick. You may want to take it easy. So you'll get that message in the readiness card like you always would. But then you have an option actually in the app to turn on rest mode. And what that does is, you know, some of the things like your activity targets, right? Or, you know, even even different scores in the app will, will, will actually adjust or turn off. So, you know, we actually turn off the activity score and don't set the activity guidance for days that rest mode is enabled. And, you know, it's, it's not just COVID, right? So if you're getting any type of cold or illness, you may see, you know, rest mode get triggered. And, and even if you're, frankly, even if you had like a really, really bad hangover, you, you may see a trigger for that too. And we ask users to tag, you know, because we, we say, hey, does it look like you're getting sick? Does it even look like you got a vaccine? You know, that's, a, that's an a interesting tag we're starting to get. Does it look like you got you know, you had a lot of alcohol that lets us help and learn more about how we can keep specifying all the different use cases that that may present themselves somewhat similarly, but all slightly different in, in the data. So, you know, once rest mode's turned on, we encourage users to give us a little bit more feedback so we can help, you know, help keep improving the algorithm and keep getting better, you know, for, for the sake of, of all of the users on the platform. I'm so glad you just mentioned tags. That was a question I had and Allison had. So I hadn't actually used the tags before. Allison said tags, how do we use them? Does it give you options or do you write it in yourself? I hadn't used them. We actually allow you to do both. So if you if you open the app and you actually hit the plus sign, you'll you'll see an, an option to enter a tag. You can actually make what we call a manual tag. And you know, we have a timestamp, date and time. Um, but there's also now a long list that you can choose from. You know, what's what's really interesting is now if you go into the trends section of the app in one of the areas, you'll be able to see, like, for example, for me, I've been using the sauna a lot. I'll, I'll actually have in my tags, you know, the days that I'm using, the days I'm using the sauna, if I looked at my HRV, like, it's pretty cool to be able to see a pretty interesting correlation. Oh, wow. You know, for me, I can see that on the days that I have tagged and i see that in my trend data over a week over a month you know over several months or several days a clear improvement for me in my data you know when i'm using the sauna so i think that that's pretty one of the reasons we made it and we're going to keep improving and working on that and and you know the more tags we see from other users the more we can learn and start to suggest tags to other users 
So it's definitely every Aura Ring user who tags is helping us learn so we can help other Aura Ring users tag easier in the future. Hi, Pamela. She said, I would like a place to enter notes on each of the screens for my purposes only. They would give what was going on for the results achieved. So could she use the tags or do you think there'll be a, an update in the future where people can add in more detailed notes? You can actually in that manual tag area. And when you go to a new tag entry, you can actually write a pretty in-depth note. So yeah, it's, it's, it's actually pretty cool. It's, it's, it's worth exploring. But yeah, that may not seem obvious, but yeah, we've allowed for that capability. And then I did want to come back. You were talking about the fertility and everything with women. I got so many questions about that. People were really excited. So I'll just go through some of these and you sort of already addressed it, but Casey said, are you planning on tracking basal temp changes to track fertility windows? So I guess with the software, will we be able to actually see fertility windows at some point in the ring? Yeah, I think actually, if you go already, we've done a blog post on this pretty in depth. And that's definitely one we can share with you, Melanie, to, to share with the users in the audience and the community that you have. But if you go to the temperature trends, you can actually see some of that already, just in the way that the temperature, it's almost looks like a sinusoidal pattern, like a sine wave. You can actually see some of that already. We're working to improve that to make it even more obvious. Now, there are, unfortunately, I think as a wearable, you know, what you can and can't say in an app to a user that triggers sort of an FDA review is, is a pretty, you know, narrow line. Probably intense. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, saying, hey, this is your fertile window, you know, you know the, the, the FDA has a, you know, one of the things they always look at is, are you diagnosing or treating? If so, then it's a medical device. And so, you know, we don't want to intend to diagnose anyone that like this, you know, this is your actual fertile window. What, you know, we can show is, hey, here's data. And by the way, here's a research study that was done that suggests when this is happening, the data, this may be happening. And so I think, you know, that's the approach we've taken. But we're, we're, you know, we're treading that line carefully. We get their input. We want to make sure we're not crossing the line, yet still providing actionable information to the user. I can only imagine the headache of navigating that line. To that point also, is the O-ring at present taking into account those cycles when it's giving scores? What I mean by that further is Sophia says, when my temperature goes up right before menstruation, it gives me a lowered score. Would it be possible to put a cycle tracker in it so that it takes fluctuations in temperature into account? Or is it already doing that? I'm wondering. It's a great question. Frankly, I think this is a really interesting area in technology design in general. Not enough companies, including ourselves, have done enough to honestly personalize the user experience for both genders, especially in the wearable space. I think too many companies, you know, and we're working to improve and I'll describe what we've done in a minute, you know, have just taken sort of, oh, most of this audience is male. Here's, you know, we've designed this technology for them. And so, for example, what we've done is when we recognize a woman is cycling, we actually change the way the readiness messages are written. So instead, you know, we, we've now fixed it so you won't get like a penalizing message that it looks like you're sick or you have a fever. And so we've, we've specifically done that and gotten rid of, you know, majority of the time we think when that may happen and triggering the incorrect user. Over time, we're actually trying to do more research on this now what would be the appropriate alterations in a score given that's happening. So we're doing some some good research on that. 
and also user design and getting feedback for what people actually really want, what women want when that's happening. Some may want to know that, hey, no, look, your, your heart rate is up. Your heart rate variability may be down. Your temperature is up a bit. Your respiratory rate may be changing. You know, there's, there's certain women who use that data actually specifically for trying to figure out the best days and hardest days to train for them. And there are certain women who are saying, no, you know, like to me, regardless of that happening, you know, I want the algorithm to adjust for me and, and I'll figure that out myself. And so I think we're, we're trying to do more user feedback now and we're doing more research in this area. So I think you'll see a couple more women's health related studies coming out that users are able to opt into in the future coming in the next few months. I love hearing that so much. I I think that's not a complete black hole, but it is a problem with modern research and science, the general lack of attention to the difference in the gender. I remember when I read David Sinclair's book, Lifespan, I'm trying to remember exactly what it said, but it talked about how in rodent trials, I'm probably misquoting, but I think male rodents respond better to, I think, pharmaceutical interventions, whereas female rodents responded better to, I think, like diet and lifestyle. It just has so much implications for so much, (laughs) like the information that we're learning about different things. So heart rate variability, we've been using that word a lot. And again, listeners, if you listen to the first episode, Harpreet goes deep, deep into the science. Can you talk, say briefly what heart rate variability is? Yeah, um, (laughs) we did definitely talk about it in depth last time, which which was fun. So thanks for all the great questions, Melanie. Yeah, I mean, heart rate variability is, is you know, really being used more and more as a sign for stress. You know, whether it's physical stress or mental stress, you know, I would say it's very, it's precise, maybe not specific to the type of, of stress. But, you know, most of our users are using heart rate variability as a way to figure out how hard they should train, how well they're recovered, or even how, how in general they may be stressed out and, and if they should alter, you know, either their training or even their schedules to, to match for that. I, I can tell you when I have really heavy, intense period of meetings or board meetings or certain meetings with, you know, potential customers or partnerships that it reflects in my data. And I think, um, you know, I use heart rate variability that way to really figure out, man, like I got too many meetings going on right now. I need to slow it down a bit and focus. So I think there's lots of different ways to use heart rate variability, but the best way I think about it is is, is a measure for stress. Amy had a good question about it. She said, is HRV something to strive to continually improve, or is it more of a thing where if you're in a certain range, you're good? That's a great question. I, I, I think people can optimize their HRV. I think it's good to actually learn about what lifestyle decisions you make that impact it. And, you know, how your body handles with stress. So I've had certain people tell me that, you know, let's say they, they work in the finance world and they, and they work in, you know, trading stocks. If a certain stock is down a lot and their portfolio performance is doing really bad, they'll see their HRV tank. I've seen, you know, other people tell me that I got in a fight with my loved one and, you know, I was really upset and really emotional and I saw my HRV really, you know, really go down. I found other users who say, man, I use HRV as a sole metric on how I how hard I should train that day. And I think Marco Altini, actually, he's an advisor at Aura and, you know, started the, the app called HRV for training, which just uses the HRV from your, you know, getting HRV measurements, even just from your camera phone. And, and he pulls in data from other wearables like Aura. You know, I think he uses HRV primarily for training and tries to figure out how hard his his training load should be just based on his HRV response. So 
to that question, I'd say it's actually more about the changes in your own HRV and how you use that to, you know, make different health decisions in, in your lifestyle. Hi friends. One of the most valuable things that I do every single night of my life is my infrared sauna session. The brand that I use is Sunlighten. I did a lot of research on infrared saunas before deciding on them. Their saunas are so high quality. They're low EMF. And what I really love is they have a solo unit. That's what I have. And it's really great if you live in a small apartment, might be moving. It's just really an amazing investment and they have incredible deals and offers on it right now. You can actually get up to $200 off with the code Melanie Avalon, or if you're talking to a rep, just tell them that I sent you. And like I said, that will be up to $200 off and that will also get you $99 shipping. Normally the shipping is like $600. So that's a really, really big deal. And if you do purchase a sauna, forward your proof of purchase to podcast at melanieavalon.com. And I will also send you a signed copy of my book, What, When, Why. If you'd like to learn more about the science of sauna, two resources. I interviewed the founder of Sunlighten, Connie Zach. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And then I also recently did an epic blog post all about the science of sauna. We'll also put that in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order. So you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. 
It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever and you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to melanieavalonscloset.com to sign up free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at melanieavalonscloset.com. That's melanieavalonscloset.com for all of the clothes none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's melanieavalonscloset.com. Hi friends. I am so excited to tell you about something that I am obsessed with that can revolutionize your health, help with stress levels, support longevity, and really help you when you go out and are having a bit of wine or drinks or all the things. And I'm going to tell you how to get $100 off. So I've been talking about the role of NAD in our health for so long. NAD stands for nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. It is a coenzyme that is involved in so many processes in our body, including energy production and DNA repair. And it is depleted by things like stress, aging, lack of sleep, alcohol, and of course, too much partying. In fact, a lot of researchers believe that declining NAD levels is one of the key factors in aging. That's why I have been really interested in boosting and supporting NAD levels. And I have tried all the things. You can take precursors to NAD called NR and NMN. I still take NMN. However, I am much more alert by directly giving your body NAD. And historically, the most common way to do that that is accessible to people was through NAD IVs and NAD shots. I actually never did an NAD IV for a few reasons. One, they are extraordinarily expensive. Two, I've been doing the shots, which I liked because they were easy to do. That said, they always made me feel a little bit unwell right afterwards. And I've heard that the IV makes a lot of people feel unwell. So if the shots were making me feel unwell and that was going into the muscle first as like a barrier, I can't even imagine what putting it straight into my bloodstream would have done. Plus with the IVs, you have to sit there for potentially hours. So basically IVs were a no-go for me. So like I said, I was doing the shots, but I was like, I wish there was an easier way to do this. Then a company called Ion Layer reached out to me. Oh my goodness, friends. I am so obsessed. So they make transdermal NAD patches and they have studies showing that these patches actually boost your NAD levels. And what's so amazing is you put on a patch. It's super easy to put on. I have a video on my Instagram about how you do it. You basically get this patch thing with like a negative side and a positive side. You put saline on one side, you mix up the NAD with some sterile water and the NAD that they give you on the other side. Then you stick it to your arm or wherever you want to put it. You put a super cool black patch over over it, kind of like how you put the patches over CGMs. And then what's amazing is there are no side effects. You don't feel unwell from it and it lasts for 14 hours. And it's so easy. You can do it at home and then you can really decide when you want to do it. So with the shots, I was doing them once a week and I was trying to do them before going out with this patch. Now I put on the patch before going out and it makes me feel so good. It really helps the next day from any alcohol recovery that you may need. And they look 
look pretty awesome with my outfits, not gonna lie. I am obsessed with these patches. I just want everybody to know about them and they are so much more affordable than the shots or the IVs. If you wanna boost your NAD levels, support anti-aging, help with your stress, help with lack of sleep, and or optimize your partying, you need these patches, friends. And I'm so excited because working with the company has been amazing and they are giving you guys $100 off, which is incredible. So to get that discount, just go to melanieavalon.com slash ion layer. That's I-O-N-L-A-Y-E-R and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get $100 off your first order. I cannot recommend these enough. I'm gonna use them for the unforeseeable future, probably for the rest of my life. It's literally just become part of my arsenal now. Like when I'm getting ready to go out, usually once a week, put on my NAD patch. And even if I don't go out that week, I still like to do one once weekly. Oh, P.S. They're also amazing for traveling. You guys know I'm not a big traveler. I've been doing more traveling recently and I wear these on the plane there and back. Game changer. Although it's really fun at TSA, especially because I already opt out and don't go through the scanner thing. So they already are suspicious. And then they're like, what's that on your arm? And I'm like, it's NAD. And then they're like, what's that? And then I'm like, it's a coenzyme in your body that's involved in a lot of metabolic processes and energy production and DNA repair. And then they just look at me really weird, but it's fine. It's totally fine. So again, that's melanieavalon.com slash ion layer to get $100 off your ion layer kit. It comes with six patches, totally the way to go for boosting NAD levels. And I cannot recommend it enough. melanieavalon.com slash ion layer with the coupon code melanieavalon for $100 off. So again, going back to the individual person. And so this is a question I really had about resting heart rate versus HRV and showing the averages versus the lowest. And then Diane asked that. She said, resting heart rate is one of the daily metrics reported in the dashboard area towards both of the sleep and readiness pages in the app. The number that is displayed here seems to be the lowest that our heart rate ever drops all night. Why is that? versus displaying the overall average for the entire duration of the sleep and or why should I care about that lowest moment, which may account for just a tiny percent of the whole night versus the overall average? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So we do show like if you're in the sleep or readiness section and you look at the heart rate graphs, we actually show both the lowest heart rate and the average. And you can see sort of that dotted blue line that shows the average. And Actually, in the trends view, which you can get to in the top left menu, just going to trends, you, you can actually also track both your average, you know, your resting heart rate, I think. Actually, we may have taken the average out. I'm actually trying to remember if we did or not. I guess we did. It's your lowest resting heart rate. But the, the reason we look at lowest resting heart rate is that it's another sign of sort of stress and how well recovered you are that's relative to you. So your re- the timing of your resting heart rate actually matters quite a bit. So whether the, your lowest resting heart rate happens at the beginning, middle, or end of the night, and we have a good blog post sort of explaining that and how you know hormonally actually looking at sort of the middle of the night is 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 really probably the best. If it happens earlier, it may mean like you're you're not getting enough stimulation or even physical stress in your life. Um, and if it happens very late, you know that can be a sign of late meals, late you know having too much alcohol, or, or frankly even too much physical stress. But I think the you know literature has shown that your lowest resting heart rate can actually be really interesting to look at night to night to be able to get some of those clues in the data. Your average is actually less likely to change because it's your average, and as a result, you may not be able to actually 
see enough feedback in your data to recognize that you did something that was, you know, something that that actually helped or hurt or, or hurt in in your own data. So that that's sort of the reason we we focus on resting. I'm just taking a look at my own data here to to perhaps prove that point. So I'm pulling up my app, and if I looked at my data between sort of my last few days, my lowest resting heart rate may change as much as five percent, but my average, you know, is changing like two percent. So there may not be enough of like a change in the data just by looking at average for the user to gain a benefit from versus, you know, looking at sort of the lowest. So it's a more definitive warning sign. It's like you have to know somebody really well to look for little signs that something might be off. So it's like the aura ring. (laughs) It knows you really well. That's the hard thing about health, right? Like it's like you have to look for and figure out the signs and clues for you, right? By focusing on certain metrics, like we, we think about them as almost these biometrics or, or physiological blueprints, these signals that we try to pull out that we think users can start to learn from. So if I look at my resting heart rate, I can tell you this week, my lowest resting heart rate has been 100% correlated to you know, it being lower on the nights that I use the sauna. And my average night, my average HR heart rate didn't actually change that much during those, those nights. Maybe one or two beats, but like not like three or four beats where I actually notice a difference from my baseline. And it's also perfect because Rose wanted to know if you can wear it in an infrared sauna. So yes, that's a yes. <laughs> yeah, you can you can go diving with an oar ring. It's it's basically waterproof to 150 meters. You can go in really really cold weather. I don't know how cold and really really hot, but I know I have an infrared sauna that's at 150 degrees. I know so many of our users especially in Finland where our company started have, have you know, use way hotter saunas and, it, and it's fine. Veronica was wondering about when you get soap on it. Is that a problem? Not a problem. Just, you know, we, we do encourage users if you have buildup on your ring, just to rinse it, you know, rinse it off to make sure that, you know, there's not like dried soap sitting on the LEDs or anything. Okay. And you answered this last time, but I just, it's one of the biggest questions that I get all the time. And that is about the EMF exposure. Stacy says, the only thing holding me back from getting one is the EMF. How much is it? Has it been measured? My guess is that it's not enough to maybe make a negative impact? Question mark. We, we specifically have focused on infrared light, not green light, you know, for, for measuring your heart rate and heart rate variability at night, partially because, you know, the user doesn't see it and doesn't bother them. But actually, we also know from medical research that everything about infrared wavelength is, is actually beneficial for your health. And, you know, doesn't, obviously you don't see it. So you don't wake up to it like you would uh, the green lights from a Fitbit or a Whoop at night. So that's one of the reasons we use infrared, you know, for that EMF reason. The other thing that we've done that other wearables haven't is we, we actually have an airplane mode. So you can actually turn off the Bluetooth and the ring will still store all your data for, for actually several days. And, and the way you turn the airplane mode off is you pop the ring back on the charger and you open the app and then we recognize it and turn turn the airplane mode off. So you can actually stop any of the Bluetooth transmission from happening. We don't honestly ping the Bluetooth to your phone that often to upload data. You know, there's always sort of design trade-offs. Some people want to be able to look at that and keep see it instantaneously when you open the app, you know, for tracking your steps. But but frankly, I think if you just wait a couple seconds with the app open, it'll ping the Bluetooth anyway. And so that's that's not that big of a burden. So we we think it's that transmission is not doing it so frequently is better. For EMF. So we, we, I know we transmit way less than most other wearables. 
I'm very EMF concerned and I felt very comfortable with Aura and I put it in airplane mode when I sleep and it's, it's just really fantastic. It's also a reason why we don't have any other screens, right? Your Fitbit, your Garmin, your Apple Watch, right? They all have screens. And so we know those screens are emitting EMF. And so, you know, we didn't want a screen. We felt like there's enough distractions in our life, let alone the EMF exposure from all the constant pings. You know, why not have something that seamless blends in? You can yet still go look at super granular data when you want to. I love it. That makes me so happy. Some very last quick questions about the future of it all. Well, this is an update I actually would love to see. And Betty also asked about it. She said, will we be able to make it so that we can add workouts for the previous day, not only the day of? Sometimes I work a night shift and it hits 12 and I haven't put in my workouts and then I can't add them the next day. I I realize this as well because I go to bed late and sometimes I try to retroactively add in workouts, but you can only add it for that day. Do you know if that'll be an update in the future? It will, but we actually have recently made a new update too. So now you'll actually get a prompt if you've done a workout or activity and you haven't, you know, tagged it. So we we actually launched something called automatic activity detection. And so what we were able to do is we took all the health kit data, Google Fit data, and manual workouts that people have entered. And we looked at that data against our, our or, you know, our sensor data, accelerometer, gyro, et cetera. And we have now actually made it so that you, if you do a workout and you open the app, you should get a suggestion depending on the type of workout on what it might've been. I, I know we just had a user, like a couple of users reach out recently because it's ski season and they're like, I just went snowboarding and my aura ring asked me afterwards, was I just snowboarding? Oh, and it said snowboarding? Yeah, it said snowboarding. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And so it's it's actually one of those things where we personalize that activity detection to you. So now if you actually enter a workout a few times manually, or if we suggest something and you confirm it or reject it and correct it, we start to learn and actually get more personalized. So we'll automatically add that activity. We still give you the prompt just to confirm. You know, so for example, I I went for a walk this morning, you know, for 25 minutes and you could actually see that, you know, when I opened my app the next time it said, Hey, did you just go for a walk? And I said, yes. And asked me, you know, it guessed my intensity and my how long, and you know, it, it keeps getting better and better and more tuned to you. And if you don't see that after you perform an activity, we do ask that we learn from you. So if you tag it a few times, we should learn it and start recognizing it. And then we actually, again, use the data from all of our users. You know, it's almost think about like for us, by us. So, you know, becoming a platform that the more you tag, it's not just for you, we'll actually use that for other users. And we then start to suggest, hey, did you tag? But Melanie, getting specifically to your question. So now when you open the app in the morning, if you didn't tag an activity the day before, we'll actually ask you, we'll be like, hey, did you not tag this the day before? Like, We'll start to prompt you in the morning, like, hey, will you? Yeah. So you'll actually get that reminder and they'll be added to your activity score from the day before once you confirm it. Perfect. And then also looking to the future, a lot of my listeners use continuous glucose monitors. So Carol wanted to know if there was any chance of that being incorporated in the future. Ooh, I can't wait. So I think uh, it's so cool to see so many companies starting to do this. You know, I know there's levels, uh, I forget some of the other ones, Super Sapiens, I want to say. And then there's even, I want to say January. Nutrisense. Yeah. So yeah. And, and and obviously Dexcom and and Abbott being, you know, the two, the two medical device versions or two of the main medical device versions. I know there's more now. Medtronic, I think has one too. I forget what it's called. Yeah. We're looking to integrate more and more with those. 
you know, we do pull in data from Apple Health Kit and Google Fit if our users consent to us doing that and want to see that integrated. We hope that there can be more continuous glucose streams there. And we hope that more and more APIs from those partners are developed so we can we can start to integrate and pull in that data. Because the link is fascinating, right? We know that, you know, research suggests if you get less sleep, your insulin response gets way worse. Your resting, you know, glucose levels, your fasting glucose levels, unfortunately, increase. So we know there's a huge, huge correlation between your, you know, insulin response, your fasting glucose levels and, and your lack of sleep. And then I have a million more questions from listeners, but the lucky last winner question is from Deb. She says, if they could magically give the ring extra capabilities beyond what it has now, what would they be understanding that sometimes technology trails behind our imaginations? Wow. There's so many. <laughs> I feel like every person on our team has their own wish list. I think, looks, there's great work being done with wearables and blood pressure and hypertension. I think there's a lot more work we can do in pioneering the space for wearables and women's health. I think even sleep apnea is, is super fascinating to us. I, I think even early onset of you know dementia we know now is that Alzheimer's is caused by poor deep sleep. And so I would love to be able to learn more how we can do that for users that are starting to age, you know, get sort of about 40, 50, 60, 70. So I feel like there's so many different use cases. It's it's honestly what what makes what makes us doing this so fun. Is there's so many ways to potentially help people. I, I was talking to someone recently who, you know, runs runs a large company that that has a lot of acute care patients. One of the biggest problems if you are, you know, in, in acute care can be, you know, vent ventilations and getting off a ventilator. And it turns out that it's a really manual process today where, you know, you're, you're sort of in an ICU like setting, you know, you start, you want to wean, you don't want them to be on the vent too long because then your body honestly gets weaker. It gets too reliant on the vent and you need to slowly wean it off because if you wean it off too fast, you may have, you know, some type of COPD event. And so I think that there's so many cool use cases for the future of wearables that there's there's no shortage of things that can potentially help people. This is absolutely incredible. That makes me even more grateful for the Aura Ring, for the work that you're doing. Listeners, if you don't have one already, get one. Get one right now. Like the second I lost mine, I was like, it's not even a question. I'm <laughs> getting another one right now. It's absolutely amazing. And the last question I always ask every guest on this show, and it's something you might remember from last time, but it's just because I think mindset is so important. So what is something that you're grateful for? I just started journaling this one actually recently, sort of, you know, I'm writing it down at night and then I, I glance at it first thing in the morning before I start working. And let's see, where, where was last night? Oh, yeah, I love this. <laughs> I wrote, I'm grateful for all the challenges I have in front of me that, you know, I can learn from. That, that was just the one from last night. So luckily that one's not too personal. So I don't want to it. You're in the clear. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, Harpreet. This has been amazing. I am so grateful for everything that you're doing. Again, I cannot recommend listeners enough. Check out the show notes, read more about it, get an aura ring. You will not regret it. And hopefully we can do a part three in the future. Yeah, definitely. Actually, Melanie, I wanted to say one, I'm, another thing I'm grateful for. It, it's not just me. It's, 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 it, there's no one person that can do this stuff. It, it's our team at Aura. So grateful for the team that we have and that we're building. And, you know, it, it takes, you know, it, it doesn't just take a village. It's, it's taken an army that's, you know, frankly, all aligned and, and helping people. And, and honestly, grateful for you and your audience. I think you being a, pulling together such passionate people and teaching them about health 
and then seeing the community engage um, the way that you have, you know, thanks for doing that as well. Really, really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. I'm just smiling. This has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you for your time. We'll talk again in the near future. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. For more information, you can check out my book, What When Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine, as well as my blog, MelanieAvalon.com. Feel free to contact me at podcast at MelanieAvalon.com. And always remember, you got this.